Welcome to Inform Foodie. You've discovered the best podcast there is on nutrition. I'll be casting each week on different nutrition topics to give you those building blocks you need to make the best food decisions for the rest of your life. Hi, I'm Di Wilkinson, and I earned my degree at UC Davis in dietetics and nutrition. And today I'm talking about sugar. Sugar has gotten such a bad rap. We crave sugar. Can we be addicted to sugar? Does it cause hyperactivity? How bad is it for our bloodstream? Well, we do crave sugar because we need sugar. That blood glucose is what we take all carbohydrates. We break them all down into blood glucose as quickly as possible because our brain will only use glucose. So there's a lot of carbohydrates we're eating. More than half my diet is carbohydrates. That blood glucose is also available for all those muscle movements and actions and things you need during the day. But you can have a sugar habit. A sugar habit is starts occurring because when we eat sugar, our mouth, our taste buds, they do crave sugar. We can actually train our mouth to crave less sugar by eating less sugar. Slowly eat less and less sugar and you won't be craving it as much. But it can become a habit because it signals kind of a reward in our brain when we eat sugar. So the more sugar you eat, the more it reinforces that reward feeling and that habit that you might have of eating sugar. Sugar is not addictive. Can sugar cause hyperactivity? No, there's no evidence it can cause hyperactivity in children. However, it is the energy available in your bloodstream for movement. So if you're a child and you feel like you'd like to run around the house three times outside, now you have the energy available in your bloodstream to do it, but it does not cause hyperactivity. Again, I eat about half my diet is carbohydrates. So if I'm eating a 2,000 calorie day diet and I'm exercising, I'm eating about 200 grams a day of carbohydrates. So you could look at that as blood sugar. Blood sugar really causes the biggest problem when it induces type 2 diabetes later in life. So I'm going to briefly talk about diabetes. There's type 1, there's type 2, there's also gestational diabetes and pregnancy I won't be talking about today. Type 1 and type 2 diabetes have a lot of the same symptoms. People have increased thirst, increased urination, extreme hunger. Type 1 diabetes will have weight loss. Type 2 diabetes could have weight loss, typically weight gain. Blurred vision or fatigue. Mood changes, very highly irritable. Type 1 diabetes is called juvenile onset. This is when actually your body is not producing insulin or very, very little. Insulin is the hormone, the agent that's in between your bloodstream and your muscles. It's kind of grabbing that blood glucose, shifting it, putting it in the muscles. Grab glucose, put it in the muscles. It's essential to lower the blood glucose. Also, to give the muscles and the brain the energy they need. Often in juveniles, onset diabetes with very little or no insulin production. It'll occur when a child is very often at school. I've been a teacher to school, having kids passing out on the playground. So the school nurses know that often this would be the case. Their blood glucose has gotten so low that their brain blanked out. We don't want anyone to go in a diabetic coma. It's a very big deal. This child will be dependent on insulin for the rest of their life. It is not curable. It is either genetic and or may have been caused by a virus. They're not completely sure, but it is not curable. They'll be under a doctor's care. They have a very rigid structured diet and exercise program, taking, measuring their own blood glucose levels, insulin, medications, etc. Their diet is really a long, slow and intake all day long with lots of different meals. They're really watching the sugar intake and the fat and protein 
a diabetic diet is ideal for everyone because we all benefit from a leveled out blood glucose. Unfortunately, type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes also have a lot of the same complications later in life. This blood glucose needs to be lifted out of that bloodstream and put in the muscles in the brain for use. However, with a lot of it in those blood, blood vessels, you've got 90,000 miles of blood vessels down to the very smallest capillaries that will feed every other cell in your body. So that blood glucose gets down into the smallest vessels and it's destructive. A high blood glucose can destroy these little capillaries. People can have vision problems. A lot of type 1 diabetics can have blindness. There can be a lot of circulation and issues in feet and toes. Some type 1 diabetics unfortunately have amputations. So type 2 diabetes is a very scary and a very important diagnosis to pay attention to and to follow a very rigid diet and exercise program. Neuropathy is something else, nerve damage that can happen. You can have kidney damage. You're at higher risk of stroke and other cardio artery diseases. So it's really important for anyone that's a type 2 diabetic to follow their doctor's orders. They usually discover and diagnose you as a type 2 diabetic because your blood glucose is just pretty high. Now, you're producing insulin. Maybe not enough, or it's not responding well. So we haven't determined exactly the cause of it. Usually people are overweight, and we're not sure if there's just so much energy in the bloodstream, so much food consumed. Maybe the response is sluggish. We're not really sure, but it is reversible. So that is the one thing about type 2 diabetes that gives you some hope. You can reverse and avoid all these other complications and problems. Exercise and watching what you eat are in the forefront of treating type 2 diabetes. If you're under doctor's care, they also can give you medications. Some people do end up on insulin, but again, you can reverse this diagnosis. Everyone should be journaling their exercise, journaling their intake. I'm going to talk some more about carbohydrates because all carbohydrates are broken down into that blood glucose, as I'd mentioned before, but they're dissolved, absorbed at different rates. We call it bioavailability. So that's how easy the food gets in from your mouth into your bloodstream. For example, a sugary soda drink. That is highly bioavailable. Those sugar molecules are in a form that is one switch away from a blood glucose level and they're already in liquid. So you drink that, that's going to be absorbed right out of your stomach. It's going to shoot your blood sugar high quickly. All of it will get out there. So that's a high bioavailable sugar. Being a trainer in a gym, I've walked into the locker room and I've seen gym members lying on the bench, looking like they're weak, shaky, etc. low, low blood sugar. They probably didn't eat it all that morning. I think they're trying too hard to lose weight. So I instantly go over to the soda machine or Gatorade, buy it, bring it in, give them a few sips. They get right back to normal because it's so bioavailable because you don't want to have low blood sugar. But we're looking at high blood sugar. And the rate of availability and absorption, we call it glycemic index. So all carbohydrates have a glycemic index. The high number shows you how high and fast it hits your bloodstream. We want the lowest glycemic index carbohydrates available. Fiber has a lot to do with that. Fiber really slows down that absorption and how fast it slams your blood glucose level. The lowest glycemic index foods are most of the dairy foods, not a gogurt or strong flavored yogurts and ice cream, but other than that, because of the fat and proteins that are in milk products, it slows down that absorption, keeps the glycemic index low. 
any of the high fiber foods. So beans are really good. They may have a lot of carbohydrates in them. Because of the fiber, their glycemic index is very low and we need those carbohydrates. Again, about half your diet is probably gonna be carbohydrates. Of course, all of the meat products and animal meats, there is no carbohydrates in them. They're proteins and maybe there is some fat. Their glycemic index is zero. Other brands, whole grains only. You must look at the label to make sure these are all whole grains. Barley's, quinoa, the highest glycemic index foods, I call them white foods. Oatmeal, potatoes, rice, pasta, any of these things. Chips are basically a white food that they've added coloring and seasoning to. High fructose corn syrup. The food industry discovered that the easiest way to transport and add sugar into food was to make syrup out of it so they could use it like a big hose and pour it in a big tanker truck as like it was a liquid. It was a lot cheaper. So that's in many, many food products. If you're buying any food product that has high fructose corn syrup on the label, the glycemic index is going to be very high. It is not good for you. It's going to really reinforce that habit of eating and craving sugar. Any syrup product should tell you right there that that is high glycemic index. All of those liquid juices, coffees that have sugar and flavor in them, sweet teas and the soda Gatorade, all of these have a very high glycemic index. They hit your system very fast. Chips, candy, cookies, desserts, all those pre-made processed sugars, they are much more bioavailable because there's just a flip and a switch on one of the chemical ends and it's into your bloodstream. So look again, look for those really high fiber foods. And the best thing to stay healthy would be journaling your exercise. That's the number one type two diabetes beater. And journaling your food intake, small meals all day long are gonna keep your bloodstream flat. You're never starved, you're never overstuffed. This is the healthiest way to eat. Your body regulates and keeps that metabolism going on a very healthy manner. And I just am so proud of you looking into how to take care of your body for your whole entire life, watching what you're eating, you're journaling, you're getting in some exercise, you're listening to these podcasts to understand the chemistry that you're taking in becomes the chemistry of you. So I'm so grateful you listened to me today, and I'm looking forward to our chat next week. Thank you.